0: Welcome to the Newport Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Newport Church is a non denominational, spirit filled church, part of the Dove International Apostolic Network of Churches and Ministries. We are located between Mannheim and Lidditz in northern Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We look forward to seeing you. And now, here is today's message. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning everybody. Let's just let me get my notes here. Otherwise, I'll preach forever. So, hallelujah. My name is Merle Shank, for those of you who don't know me, uh, and if you're new here, welcome. Awesome to, to have you here. Uh, we're excited for all that God is doing, and I just want to take a, t- a moment again and just pray uh, for us here this morning as we start this message, because we're, we're launching into a new part of our series this morning. I'm really excited about it. But uh, let's just take a moment to, to pray. Is that good? So, Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. God, we thank you, Lord. We honor you in our midst today in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, that your heart for us is so much greater, so much deeper, so much bigger than we could imagine or that we could fathom, God. And so we thank you that your heart is here to touch us, to engage with us, that we would know you deeply and that we would grow in, our, in the depths of relationship with you. I thank you, Father God, that everything that takes our attention off of you, Lord, is laid down at your feet. God, Newport Church belongs to you. This is your children. This is your body. This is your bride, and we come to you, Father, in adoration. We come to you in love and in worship. I thank you, Lord God, that you meet with us. I thank you that you minister to us. I thank you that there is refreshing rain and refreshing oil for every person here under the sound of my voice and online in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for your heart in this season. I thank you, God, that your word shall bear fruit in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness to flow in this place. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So this morning we're going to be talking about encountering God in his word. So if you're following along with me in the church app uh, you you can click on it there. I saw there was like it was a little clunky this morning. I clicked on it and it it came up with a, a, a picture but didn't load the notes and then when I redid it the notes came up, so if you want to follow along with me, just keep clicking till you get the full page of notes. There there are notes there, I promise, okay, um, but uh, if you want to follow along, we are talking, uh, for those of you who, who are new or just uh, joined us recently, we've been really spending this whole year in like an Encountering God series, talking about Encountering God, uh, and part of this is, you know, what what is it, why do we gather? You know, this is... Where we started, I just want to kind of reintroduce the theme to us because we go in our themes, we grow, go in our series, and then we take a break for a little bit, preach about something else, and then we come back to our series, then we take a break for a little bit and, and preach something else, and then we come back to our series. So I want to reintroduce us and reorientate us to the series of like, why do we gather why, is it, why do we come together on a Sunday morning? What is it about? Is it a, you know, just a great social club? Is it just about relationships? We love relationships. We love gathering. But it, there's a greater purpose for why we gather. Amen? Whether it's on a Sunday morning, whether it's in a life group, whether it's in you know, multiple families getting together over a coffee table, you know, in a restaurant somewhere, there is a greater purpose to why we gather. And the purpose is Jesus. Tell your neighbor, say, the purpose is Jesus. All right, so what, and what are we specifically, what are we specifically looking to have happen? What are we specifically looking to encounter when we gather around Jesus? And so we've been unpacking that this year. So we, we kind of gave five um, uh, foundations, if you will, of Newport Church, where like we seek to encounter God in prayer. And we started that off uh, this year and taught through, like, what does that really mean? What does that feel like? What does that look like? Where we're engaging God in prayer and we're actually encountering the living Christ in our prayer lives. Right? Then we went on to encountering God in worship. And what does that look like, encountering God's presence in worship, the living God who is among us, who loves us, who deeply cares as we, as we worship him? What does that feel like? What does that mean when we encounter God and seek to encounter God in worship? And then we're, uh, we talked about, just briefly, we've kind of been skipping around a little bit, but uh, we talk about encountering God in one-to-one ministry and community where uh, we encourage one another, where we pray for one another, we minister to one another. And, it's, and our goal is that it is as easy to pray for someone as it is to talk about the football game. It is as easy and as normal for us to minister to someone as it is to like go out for pizza, Right, like that. We want to get that kind of a habit, that kind of an ease with ministering the presence and the power of God to each other, because uh, great uh, there's great strides that are made when we encourage each other in the Lord and we encounter God through one another and through community life as we gather together. And so, and then the other the other one that we haven't taught on too much yet, we'll probably get into it a little more towards the end of this year, is. Encountering God in Outreach. And the the fifth one, the one that we're starting today, the series we're starting today, is Encountering God in His Word. Word. So we gather around Christ. We gather to encounter Him. But what what does that specifically look like? We want to encounter God in prayer. We want to have healthy, vibrant prayer lives. We want to encounter God in worship. We want to have vibrant worship that is impactful to our lives. We encounter God in His Word that our ability to read His Word, retain His Word, understand His Word is a place that gives us life and gives us sustenance and directs our steps and directs our lives we want to encounter God in community one-to-one ministry that we gather together we can bless one another we can hold each other accountable when one person feels weak the other person holds them up and vice versa like that's the community and then encountering God in outreach as we go there is an anointing to go and there is grace from God to go and reach out to people because God loves people and God loves to reach people. Amen. All right, so that's just to catch us up for where we are uh, here. So uh, we're, we endeavor, you know, to to uh, do this as practically as possible because some of these things can sound like really spiritual, or super spiritual, or whatever. But like, let's let's boil it down. What do we really mean when we say encountering God in His Word? So that's where we're going to start today. All right. All right, so um, remember that we start, when we started off this whole series, we said, well, what is normal? And we said, well, the miraculous Christian life is the normal Christian life. And remember, we talked about, like, w- "Well, who gets to define normal? Is it you? Is it me? Is it your experience? Is it my experience? Is it someone else's experience? Who defines what normal Christianity is? Who defines what normal Christian life looks like? And we've come to the conclusion that the Bible is the standard for normal Christian life. Tell your say the Bible is the standard. Tell your neighbor say the Bible is the standard for normal Christian life. This is not the exception. Amen. This is the standard for normal uh, normality. I think is the right word. Okay. All right, this is not the exception. Listen, so when um, Nick Ripkin, who is a missionary uh, that has gone and captured a lot of stories of believers who have been in underground churches and persecuted uh, communities around the world. And, and he hears their stories, and there was one time he said, well, man, like, your stories are so powerful. You know, how they were sharing, like, how God broke them supernaturally out of prison, and how, like, the Holy Spirit would tell them so-and-so is coming today, or or how, like, they would, because of security, they wouldn't announce to anybody where they were meeting. They just all led by the spirit showed up at the same place at the same time right so like and he was like man like why we need to capture these stories and tell these stories and the believers that he was talking to was like why our stories are in the bible like like it's it's what's in the bible we're just telling the same story but different names like why do why do we need to put our names in like our stories are there Like, you see people getting broken out of prison, Paul and Silas. You see people getting healed, set free, delivered. You see people enduring great persecution. You see people, you know, accomplishing over great odds the purposes of God and the plans of God. Like, like it's in the Bible. Why do we need to? Don't you believe the Bible? They asked him. You need our stories to help you believe the Bible. Ooh. Anyway. All right. So, like, so who defines normal? The scripture does, right? The Bible does. Okay, so let's jump in here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17 it says this. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. It says, God has transmitted his very substance into every scripture, for it is God-breathed. It will empower you by its instruction and correction. Giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Verse seventeen. Then you will be a then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives to you. All right. So as we as we jump in here, uh, I just want to uh, talk a little bit. Last week, Megan preached and shared about a, what a Christophany is, which is kind of um, it's a pre-incarnate encounter with Christ, meaning before he was born as a baby. So Jesus always was, right? He always was. And there's times in Scripture, and we're going to look at another one here this morning in, in a few minutes, where Jesus himself comes and manifests himself to people okay, where they see him, they encounter him, all right, and so when we talk about encountering God in his word, many times we have scripture because Jesus encountered people, and they wrote it down, they talked about it, they put it down, and they shared what they encountered with the Lord. The purpose of why we want to go into this is so that our lives would be oriented around the Word of God. So our lives can be oriented around so many different things. But as believers, we are called to live our lives orientated, oriented, orientated, oriented. I need an English major. My sister's an English major. <laughs> I went South African. Is that yeah, We want our lives to be oriented around the Word of God. All right. And we want our faith our our goal is that we become word centered in our faith. There's a lot of talk out there about faith today and even like, you know, different voices out there, Oprah and different people will be like, "Oh, it's important to have faith." But then like when you discover what people actually have faith in, it's kind of scary. So it's not just about having faith, it's about what you have faith in, and we want our our lives and our faith to be oriented and centered around the Word of God and what He says, what He does. Amen? All right, so when we come to the Word, we, we I want to talk about how to approach the Word of God, all right, because it's really important how you approach it. There's people who memorize great volumes of Scripture, but it does not impact their life. Uh, there's, there's people who uh, create it flippantly, like uh, or treat the word of God flippantly, and they say, "Well, you know, you can take this and you can take that, and and leave that, and that's cultural, and this is that." And no, no, this is the experience of people that God has given to us is is described in a way that it greater pulls us into relationship with God. So there are historical parts, there are things that are parables, there are things that we need to understand how to discern. But it's all for the purpose of bringing us into a greater depth of relationship with God and a greater dependency upon him. So it's not a salad bar, right? Did your mama ever tell you, you know, when you sat down for dinner as a a little child and you're like, I don't want to eat that. And your mom said, this isn't a salad bar right? You don't just get to pick and choose what you want. Well, the Word of God is is not a salad bar. We need to receive it in its entirety and let it have its work, let it have its way and impact our lives in a very significant way, all right? So when we approach the Word of God, we approach it and we don't use it to prop up or to defend our own perspective or our own beliefs, we come to the word of God, and and in in some way, we need to come w- very neutrally. Like, we come to say, okay, God, what is your word going to teach me today? So I'm not trying to get, like, Scripture A plus Scripture B plus Scripture C equals this truth over here. And what happens is, is by nature we do that, especially in the Western world because we have a Greek uh, um kind of foundation to our thought processes where we look for a plus b plus c equals d the problem is somebody else looks for three different scriptures and comes up with a totally different like d and then you disagree all right so when we come to the word of god we're not there to say god we want you to prop up or we want we want to try and improve our thought processes in the Word of God. We don't want to try and read that uh, into the Word of God. We need to come in a neutral way and say, God, teach us, teach me. If there's something that I read that confronts me, then you're doing it right. If there are scriptures that you read that make you uncomfortable, then you're doing it right. If there are scriptures that you read that offend you, then you're doing it right. If you haven't been offended by the Word of God recently, then you might not be reading it. (laughs) Okay? There's things because what it's there for is it's there to to download the purposes of God and the framework for which we can understand life. Okay? All right. So when we come to God's Word, we must come in in, in a posture to say, God, let your word mold me, not I believe this way and let me find scriptures that back up my belief. Right? So when Paul and Silas were supernaturally broken out of prison, that means, yeah, God actually did that. And the same God that did that for them can do that for us. Yeah? When when. When, when, when Peter, uh, let's leave that one. When Jesus was resurrected and said, listen, there will be a time where you're resurrected as well. That was literal. Like there might be death that we have to go through, but there is a resurrection. Right? Okay? There, the, the same God that we see working miracles, that we see uh, orchestrating Lives in Scripture is the same God we serve today. Amen? So what is required is that we posture our hearts for the purpose of coming into alignment with God's Word and not any other reason. So, uh, I I like to refer to the story of Joshua. This is the other Christophany uh, that I want to talk about this morning. The story of Joshua in Joshua chapter five, verses thirteen and fifteen, and this is this really for me defines how we are called to come to God's word. And uh, what's happening here is Joshua and the children of Israel have just come into the Promised Land. They're just about to take on Jericho. They're just about to go into battle. And Joshua is there beside Jericho. And that's where we're, we're going to pick it up in verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked. And behold, a man stood opposite, opposite of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. <laughs> but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Amen. Right? And then Joshua fell on his face, and he worshiped. This is how we know it's a Christophany. This is how we know that this man with the with the drawn sword is God. It's because he, he receives worship, and then he tells Joshua, take your shoes off, because the place where you're standing is holy ground. Yeah? And only God receives worship. Okay, so he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord of hosts, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face, uh, with his face to the earth in worship and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. And that's then, you know, later Joshua gets the the strategy of how to take Jericho and God works in a a miraculous way, in a mighty way for Jericho to be taken by the Israelites. And so we see, and and I love this, this instance in scripture because it shows to me and it communicates to me the proper way to come to God, the proper way to come to his word it's it's not are you for me or for them are you for my foes or are you for me it is no 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 i need to be for you i need to come into alignment with you god i need to come like it's not about my will it's not about my desires it's about your will it's about your desires and even when my desires are different i'm the one that needs to change my desires to come into alignment with your will with your purposes with your plans and God, you don't have to explain your plans to me either, lest I become a judge of you. Right? That's the the, the posture for which we need to read the Word of God. So when we come to, to God's Word, we, we must approach it with humility and faith. Humility in the sense that Though you have read maybe that scripture, you've read it a thousand times, there's still things to learn from it. There's still great uh, greater depth to pull and to be impacted in our lives from scripture because the Bible says that the word is living. It's active. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 to 13 it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. If you we don't want to wait till the end to to find out that we were doing it wrong. <laughs> I don't know about you. I want to know in the beginning and in the middle. (laughs) I want this to be the mirror that reflects what I should be doing, who I should be, how I should be reacting. And if there's reactions within me that are different than here, then it's me that needs to change, not the the, the way I try and interpret this. Right? Okay. So... What does it mean that the Word of God is living? It means it's alive. It carries its own vitality. It's not living in in the sense that, you know, today there's a whole argument about the United States Constitution. You know, is it a living document, meaning that, like, it can change with the times? We're not talking about living that way. The Word of God does not change with the times, okay? We're talking about the word being living in that it is impactful. It carries its own vitality. It carries its own life in it. And if we get close to that life, it begins to affect us and give us life. Okay? So it, it, it has life in and of itself. There was a time when, um, you know, kind of just based on my experience and that kind of thing, you know, I really thought that, man, you know, the the worship, you know, how many of you love worship? I love worship too. Amen. I'm in the right people. I found my people. You love worship. Yeah. Okay. You know, like I, I used to think that like, oh, the worship like paved the way for the word of God, right? For the ministry of the word, the worship paved the way. And actually that's not true That can help. It can help worship can help prepare us to receive God's word. But listen, the word of God is not dependent on a good worship set. The word of God carries its own powerful. uh, Its own power. It's own powerful. (sighs) Thank you, Lord, for English. (laughs) It carries its own power. It carries its own life. It's not dependent. It's and and in fact, most of the time, if we only if we have faith that like, oh, I, this was something I had to discover about myself. If I had faith that the word of God, the ministry of the word, was going to be dependent on worship, then it kind of was because that's where I was, not not where the word was, right? But then I I, I went and preached in places where worship wasn't like we have it here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh Lord. <laughs> I don't even know, <laughs> you know. Enough th- about that. It, it, it was just it was hard, okay. It was hard places that, and and worship was just really hard, especially if you love music and you like music to be in tune, and people to sing on key and and all of that with the right rhythm. And it, and there was times where like I'm not it was, I'm not knocking anyone. That that's hard for you. I'm just like, it really taught me the word of God is not dependent on any of these external things. And when the word when the word of God is preached, it carries its own power. It carries its own life. Amen. Amen. And so when we when we say that the word of God is living, it it's. Uh, it carries its own vitality. It has this buzz about it. Like you think of like a, a, my, some, one of my kids are, are learning about protons and neutrons and electrons and, you know, it carries this field, of this field of energy. Well, that's like the Word. The Word of God carries its own field of energy. And like when it hits us, we encounter God and we can encounter His life. And it is life-giving to us. So the Bible says that the word of God, it's alive. It is powerful, which means that it's active. It's busy. As Jen read out of Isaiah fifty-five this morning. You know, part of the part of the, the the verses there in in verse ten and eleven of Isaiah fifty-five talks about the word of God. It says, "For the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but they water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater." Verse eleven. And so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Right, the Word of God—it's busy, it's 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 working, it's active, it's actively confronted. That's why the, that's why the devil doesn't like us to focus on the Word of God. He tries to get us distracted, tries to get us away from re, uh, reading and receiving and sitting under the tutelage of the Word of God is because it's active and it, it starts to impact our lives. It starts to change us. And I believe, uh, I think, I don't know, at some point we'll, we'll unpack it, but I believe that we're in an Isaiah 55 season as a ministry. where uh, And this is just like a little bit of a, a prophetic word for where we're headed and what God is doing in our season in in this time, and I believe it's like an Isaiah 55 season uh, that we're walking into. So, but the word of God will bear fruit. Because God's word is powerful and it does not return to him void, it will bear fruit. Tell your neighbor, say, it will bear fruit. It's going to bear fruit in this generation. Like if God has a will for a generation, it will happen. The question is, will, it, will we be a part of the happening of that generation? Or is it going to be in some other nation, some other place, somewhere? I don't. I don't believe you know. Like God, just most of the time, God doesn't really speak exclusively in the sense that, like, well, this is I'm doing this over here, and it's exclusive, and nobody else is going to encounter it. I think there's a way in which God speaks that when we're open, when we're listening, when we're hungry, we can receive it. That's why you know uh, we can we can be in in one nation and hear. You know, somebody say, "I believe that the Lord is doing this." You go to a completely different context, a pol- completely different nation, and they're like, "God told me this is what He's doing," and it's the exact same thing. Because when He speaks, it's not just, "Oh, He spoke to a prophet." He speaks, and prophets hear. Right? It, have you ever have you ever experienced that where like you had this brilliant idea for a new invention, and like in six months, you see it's on the shelf somewhere? Yeah. It's because it's those things are not just exclusive. God's word is not just exclusive to you, right? He speaks. We must listen. Jesus explains the parable of the sower and he talks about the word of God having fruit. So this is kind of just all laying a foundation for where we're going to go in future messages. Jesus explains the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4 verses 13 to 20. In verse thirteen, he said, "And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all other parables? Hmm. All parables." Verse fourteen: The sower sows the word. Verse fifteen: So, rem- sorry, just pause. Re- remember, Jesus is talking about the the parable of the sower. How the sower goes out and he spreads seed. In the first, he sp- he throws the seed uh, quite liberally and some of the seed falls on the hardened path, and the birds come and eat the seed right away. Some falls in stony ground, and the birds, sorry, not the birds, the the plants spring up, but because there's no place for the roots, when it it gets difficult, when the sun comes up, the plants dry up, and it's as if, you know, they were never planted. They die. The, the, The next seed falls on the thorny ground, right? Where... And, and it gets, the plants spring up, but then get choked, get choked out. And then the seed falls on the good soil, and it bears 30, 60, 100-fold fruit. Okay, now Jesus is explaining that parable here. So jump back in at verse 14. The sower sows the word, so the seed is the word of God. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown when they hear satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them verse 16 and these are the ones sown on rocky ground the one who hears the word immediately receives it with joy verse 17 and then but then they have no root in themselves But endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Verse 18. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Verse 20, but those that are sown in good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So how do we provide a good environment? How do we receive the maximum impact from the word of God? Jesus tells us right here. He tells us this is the way you receive maximum impact. This is the way you encounter me in a real way in the word. Number one, Don't have a hard heart. Sometimes when people walk all over you and treat you as a pathway, it's really easy to get hard. (laughs) Right? It's really easy to get hard. And it's easy for us to get offended and hardened in our hearts. But what that causes is hardness of heart. When the Word of God comes, it just sits on the top. And it's easy pickings for the enemy. And you can be, be, when you're offended, it's hard to receive. It's hard to take in the word of God when you're offended. Because what, what, what has to happen to seeds when it, when it's sown is that it has to be protected. It has to be treasured. It has to be taken in. It can't just sit on the surface we got to take it in. David says this in Psalms 119, verse 11. It says, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Yeah? So the, it's kind of the way that like Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she saw everything, when she heard the angel, it says this several times about her, when she heard the angel, you know, and the promise of, of who Jesus would be. And then as he was, was doing miracles and, and many different places, it says that Mary cherished these things in her heart. She took And that's how we need to treat the word. Not, not uh, being hard-hearted, but let it soak in and cherish it. Take it and, and sit with it, mull over it. Let God start to speak to us. Let the power that's in that word come out, start to impact our lives, to sit with the word. Let it wash us. We take the word, we cover it up, we ponder it, we protect it. And let the Holy Spirit minister the life that is in that word into our lives. All right? So don't have a hard heart, number one. The way to to receive maximum impact from the word of God. Don't have a hard heart. Number two, remove hindrances from our lives. Remove hindrances from our lives. Hindrances, these things can be stuff like addictions, stuff like um, life-controlling, unsecured debt, stuff that... Uh, like an unholy thought life, where whether it's in regards to purity or whether it's in regards to just having like this oppositionally defiant, sarcastic response to everybody and everything in the world, you don't know anybody like that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's like an unholy thought life where we just we 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 wind up coming into a place where there's so much stuff. There's so many stones. There's so many rocks that we can receive the word of God, and 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 this has happened many times. You know, we we uh, we did a lot of ministry in in places where it was very common uh, for uh, people who would have major addictions in their life. Maybe they're an alcoholic. Maybe there's there's things. That, and, and they receive the word of God with gladness. Oh, yes, this is so amazing. Thank you so much. This is so good. God's so awesome. God's so. But after like three weeks, whoop, they're gone. Because there's no. Because of rocks and stones in lives, the word of God cannot bear root, it, can, it cannot gain roots and gain traction and gain depth to hold their life together because their life is subject to stones, subject to hindrances. And that, that listen, it, it can be addiction. It can be just a negative heart posture. Sometimes we can be addicted to negativity. Sometimes we can be addicted to unbelief. We just doubt everything that comes towards us. All right? Stones are things that they can trip us up when we're not careful. They're also things that keep us from being healed or finding wholeness. So we're we're wounded by something that happened in our life, but instead of going through the process of healing, we get bitter, and we share that bitterness with other people. We find other people that were hurt in a similar way, and then we form a group about it. And and we just, we never heal. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 to 13 talks about this. It says, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. So there's some intentionality to get the stones out of our lives, to get the stones out of our pathway so that as we walk and we encounter wounds in life, as we continue to walk forward in our life, we can be healed. We're not constantly tripping and re-injuring. You know, that one time I injured this little muscle right here, you know, that like causes your leg to go up. And every time I would trip over something and be like, oh, you know, just constantly hurt. we got to get those little things that, that cause re-injury of old pain. we got to get that out of our lives. Remove those things from our lives. Those are the stones that hold us back, that don't allow the Word of God to have its full root and be able to bear fruit in our lives. Number three, how to receive the full impact of the Word of God. Value and defend our time with God's word. Value and defend our time in God's word, okay? Don't allow the cares of this world, the lies that riches tell. You know what the lies that riches tell are? Hey, just give us a little bit more time, like the riches speaking. (laughs) Give us a little bit more time. Give us a little bit more of yourself, and we'll really take care of you. But That's not how it works. (laughs) That's not how riches work. Riches can make you a slave. It's interesting that Jesus, when he talks about God, he says you cannot serve God and the devil. No. He doesn't say the devil. He says you cannot serve God and mammon. Right? Ungodly riches. It doesn't mean that you can't be wealthy. It's that it doesn't have you. Right? So there's this thing where it can lie to you. It can entice you just do a little bit more spend a little bit more time you know don't don't be in church on a Sunday morning come you, you got you got some work to do and if you really do this work it's gonna it's gonna pre- create more job opportunities and it's gonna you know then more finances can come in and pretty soon you wind up realizing you're serving Mammon you're serving another God than the God of the Bible it's the deceitfulness, it's sly, the deceitfulness of riches. That's why you got to keep it in check. One of the ways to keep it in check is defend your encounter with the Word of God, defend your time with the Word of God from in, being encroached on by demands of wealth and business and, and jobs, those kind of things, right? I'm not saying don't work, I'm not saying don't have businesses, you get the point, Right? you got to defend it. So don't let those things choke out the word of God, the desires for other things. We need to keep our desires fresh and hot for the Lord. The cares of this world can be things like status, can be things uh, where we're preoccupied with our image that we project to others. It can be materialism. It can be just, you know, getting more, getting more stuff. I got this, I got that, I got this, you know. All right, we, we, the deceitfulness that says, just give us a little bit more time, give us a little bit more effort, give us a little bit more energy, and then, then we'll really take care of you. And the thing is, that just never happens. You wind up being a slave to the things that you have. The desire for other things, it's not saying that it's wrong to have desires for, for some things or for other things. It's saying that those desires start to encroach on and squeeze out the place of the word of God in your life squeezes it out. Pretty soon, you're not, you know, spending time in, in prayer and in the Word. Pretty soon, you're not going to church. And you're not spending time with other believers. And, and when you do, it's just social stuff. It's not centered around the Word. You're not reading the Word together, digesting it together, talking about it together. It's just, it's easy to go there, isn't it? I mean, we all love friends. We all love hanging out. But we have to have a place for the Word of God in our lives. All right. Number four, accept the Word of God. Be the good soil that accepts the Word of God, that allows it to penetrate our lives. Let the Word of God penetrate your life. Tell your neighbor, say, let it penetrate your life. Okay, this brings us to our next point where we said the Word of God is living. It is powerful and it is sharp. Ouch. <laughs> Watch out. It's sharp. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. What does that mean? It, it, now, now, praise God, uh, it's, it's not a machete, right? Like, God doesn't take his word and, like, hack people, you know, with it. It's more like a scalpel. It's very sharp. He comes in, he does open-heart surgery, have you, ever, have you ever had the Word of God like confront you and it just hurts so good? Right? Like, oh, you're right, Lord. <laughs> you know? The Word of God, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces even to the division of soul and spirit. Many times in our lives, it, it can be hard to define where our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions starts and where our spirit starts. Okay? Because the, the two are so closely linked together. But we don't want soulish Christianity that's just led by emotions. That's just led by our own ideas. Led by our own offenses. Like God's angry because I'm angry because that person you know, said this to me. That's, that's soulish Christianity. We don't want that. All right? And it's only it's the word of God that pierces and discerns between the two between what is soulish, what's, what, now, um, what is like an emotional Christianity, and what is true Christianity, what is spiritual. And it's the Word of God that helps us to define that in our lives, okay? And it penetrates that, uh, to that depth, that, like um, the difference between bone and marrow, right? It gets into the core of who we are. And it's a judge and it's a discerner of our thoughts and the intents of our heart. It's when the word of God confronts us and we, we sit there and we, we realize like, oh, mm, my response, my reaction out of that place was not right. And it confronts us. So God takes his word and he does surgery, open heart surgery on us. We must allow our hearts to be offended We must allow our hearts to be corrected by the Word of God. An example of this posture, heart posture, is seen in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1. Habakkuk says this. He says, I will stand my watch and I will set myself on the rampart and I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. So how we respond shows our maturity how we respond to the correction of the lord is actually what shows our spirituality in our maturity how will we respond when we are corrected by god's word how will we respond you know some sometimes uh, you know people can seem super mature or super spiritual until they're corrected and then they get offended and you don't see them anymore I know in my life, many times I've failed that test. How, it's the, the test of response to correction from the word of God. I'm so glad that God does not make his word a mystery. He, it's not so, you know, I love this, that Jesus, when, when he ministered and walked on the earth, he, he spoke Aramaic, which is like the, the, the street language of the day, right? It wasn't that he had to be followed around by scribes and Pharisees to say, like, well, what was he really saying? Like, what, what does that really mean? No, no, like, you can take it at face value, right? It's not, a, it's not a mystery. And I love doing word studies. I love going into the deep studies of, you know, explaining one language to another language because that's just really what word studies are, you know. But, like, I love going into that kind of depth. However, you can also take it at face value. It is, it's also what it means, Right? Okay? I love that God does not make his word a mystery fully in that sense. There are things, though, that we will not be able to comprehend. And that's why the word has to be taken with faith. And the word produces faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right? So encountering the word produces faith it doesn't produce reason many times people try to reason the word of god they get in the word of god and then they try and reason it out that's not what the word is for it's, the word does not produce reason it produces faith in other words it's kind of like you know the computer in my car i don't i don't need to know exactly how that computer works i just need to know that the car runs and when i put the ga- push the gas pedal it goes forward. And there's no warning lights on. When I hit the brakes, it stops. You know? Somebody knows how it works, but I probably know things that they don't know. Right? So, and the Word of God's kind of like that. Like, like I don't know, all, I don't have to know that all the intricacies of this microphone in order for me to put it on on a Sunday morning when I'm preaching. I just need to know that it works. And then there... The, 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 the knowledge that it works produces enough faith for me to put it on. That's kind of how the Word of God is. We have enough of it to know that it produces faith, that this works, but we none of us will fully ever comprehend the full expanse of God's Word, right? So we can know enough to produce faith that we can trust it. We can know enough that it produces faith for us to anchor our lives around it. But God is speaking to you and showing you things in his word. God's speaking to me, showing me things in his word. And that's why we get together. And we we talk about it and we share. This is what God's showing me. This is what God's this is what God has shown you. And we we kind of we grow. It's like you know the, it's like the engineer of this microphone says. Oh, actually, you know, if you if you wear it like three centimeters a little bit closer to your mouth, it doesn't feedback or whatever. You know, like and, and then I get to talk to them about maybe their marriage or something. You know, like, it's it's, it's none of us fa- carry the full completeness of understanding of the word of God. We all have pieces. And that's why it's impor- important for us to gather. That's why it's important for us to come and hear preaching of the word of God. It's important for us to get in life groups and in, in, in places where we're hearing what God is saying, what you're experiencing, but also what God is saying there because it adds to our life. It adds to our understanding. Amen? Okay? So, this is why we need community. Community. Because none of us fully comprehends all there is to comprehend about the Word of God. I think we're going to spend eternity learning. That's why it's always important to continue to remain and be a student of the Word of God. Yeah? All right. So it's not wrong to try and reason things out, but there will be some things that are unreasonable in the Word of God. And reason is not the highest form of faith. Peace is the highest form of faith. Or at least it's up there. (laughs) I think. You know, Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God that passes understanding which means there's gonna be things that you don't understand. There's things that I don't understand. There's things that I wrestle with. But that's good. That's good. Peace that passes understanding means that we encounter things we don't understand, but it doesn't shake us. We still have peace in the midst of what we walk through. Amen? So there's faith is a place of divine tension between what we know and what, what we understand and what we do not know yet. In between there is called faith. And it's that divine tension. And many times when God communicates, he communicates to us in that place of divine tension. You need to know this. Those answers are not yours right now. Yeah? that's many times our journey with the Lord. We're talking about approaching the word of God in the right posture. Amen. In the right posture. How do we encounter how do we approach the word of God to encounter him? In many ways it's it's really the same way that we approach God in the first place, we, we need to come humbly, expecting to learn, expecting to grow, expecting to be encouraged, expecting to be corrected, expecting to be equipped, empowered, and re- to receive life from God's word. All right. The Holy Spirit's the one that's, that takes the life that's in the word and imparts it into us. Okay. Now, this is the last point here this morning. You ready? Wake up. Shake, your, shake yourself a little bit. Okay. Ready for the last point? God understands, listen, listen. God understands the limitation of languages. He understands that not all knowledge can be defined in words. That's why the Trinity is not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. It's the Holy Spirit, right? So that's that. So God, who understands the limitation that languages have, gives us a model. It's like if this is God's word in two dimension, the life of Jesus is God's word in three dimension, or four dimension, depending if you believe in fourth dimensions, right? It's a greater depth of understanding. So, so Jesus comes and he manifests the word accurately. Everything that he was, he was the word made flesh. So John chapter 1, verse 14 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Yeah? This is the English translation of the word, (laughs) okay? Jesus is the perfect translation of the word. He was in the beginning with God, verse 2 and verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God, verse 6, whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all, thi- that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world, he being the Word, who is Jesus, was in the world, in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he, be- he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, verse 14, and the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the embodiment of the Word of God. He is the manifestation of the Word of God. So when we, when we, when we read this, we can expect to encounter the person. This is to lead us to the person. Um, Islam believes that the Quran that their word is literally divine it's literally God and they say no God would never manifest himself as a person well if he manifests himself as a scroll why wouldn't he manifest himself as a person anyway but this leads us to Jesus. It's, it's what Jesus was, was talking to the Pharisees. He says, you know, you, you search the scriptures. You, you talk, you know, uh, of, of what Moses shared and you search them. But it's those things that were talking about me. That's what Jesus says. So the purpose of this is to bring us into encounter with the living word. The word made flesh in our lives. Jesus is the definition. He is The third, like the the three-dimensional Word of God. He's the model of what this looks like lived out in practical life. Amen? So when we read the Word of God, it should be our goal to encounter Jesus. Because the Word is what, He is what the Word points to. Jesus said this, He said, My sheep know my voice. And I know them and they follow me. If you're here today and you do not know the voice of Jesus, if you've never met Jesus, today's the day to give your life to him. Today's the day to come to him. If you're listening online, if you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never had the encounter with the living word that the Bible describes to us. You've never made Jesus your Lord. I want to pray with you this morning. Worship team, you can come. All right. The gospel is simply this, that in the beginning, God created everything. He created the heavens and the earth. Can we stand together? God created the heavens and the earth. He created all the systems of the world. He created all things. And he said they were good. They worked together seamlessly. And everything worked uh, in, in, in such a fashion that it gave glory to God. There was, there was no challenges or problems in it. And then Satan led a rebellion against God and deceived mankind. Mankind followed Satan's rebellion. And because of that, relationship with God was broken. God the Father, the one who knows who we are, the one who knows why we exist, relationship with our Heavenly Father was broken because of sin and following Satan's rebellion. But God said, I'm not going to leave it that way. And He sent Jesus to take the punishment for your sin and for my sin. He sent Jesus to take the repercussions and what we deserve for walking away from God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when we lay down our lives and we receive his life, we receive his lordship. We immediately have eternal life that will live on even should the Lord tarry, even if our body dies, our soul and our spirit lives on with Jesus. We can have eternal life. When we come to God, we must come to him with our lives laid down at his feet. Saying, Father, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of the wrong things that I have done that separates me from you. The things that I've done that that were never a part of your plan or your picture for me. Forgive me for those things. I give you my life, and I ask for your life in return. I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. And if that's you, I want to pray with you this morning. Then I'm going to give you some practicals of how to keep the Word of God fresh in your own life. Okay? So just two more minutes. But if that's you, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I wanna lead you in a prayer and it's not so much my prayer, it's your heart before God. Your heart in expressing your life and giving your life to Jesus is where salvation from sin comes from, is where relationship with the one who knows who you are and why you exist is restored. So if you would pray with me, if that's you, just simply where you are, turn the attention of your heart to God and say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I ask that you would forgive me of all the sin in my life. Wash me clean. Place your spirit inside of me and lead me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and taking the punishment for my sin and for my shame. Today, I give you my life. And I receive your life in me. Lead me every day from this day forward. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing a worship song, and then when I come up to close, I I have some practical steps that all of us can engage in to keep the Word of God fresh in our lives. Thanks for listening today we would like to invite you back to our services starting at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more great content from Newport Church, check out newportchurch.net or visit our YouTube channel. To get the right one, search for Newport Church in Elm, PA.